This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. So I get, I'm really excited to start this series with you guys. I ended the last series and I get to start this one. I'm excited and I'm a little bit afraid, okay? So the reason why I'm excited is because you get to hear different pastors uh, throughout this series. I'm Pastor Corey. I'm a bench player. And um, you get to hear different pastors through this series. And for every pastor that you hear, you're going to hear a little bit different take on failure. Because failure really is dependent, and how you see it is dependent on personality, how you are raised, all the baggage that you have that comes with you. So each of these pastors are going to see failure just a little bit differently. So that's exciting because you get to see different things. Uh, You're also going to see one universal thing, and that is God's response to failure. Okay, so this is going to be really exciting for, for you guys. And I'm a little bit scared because this is going to be really hard for some of you. Failure is not something that we like to talk about. Failure is not something that we live in a space with failure very well. And that is because of our culture. In our culture, whenever something that we own breaks or fails, we throw it away. Our culture takes all the things that break or fail and quit. We just, we throw it away and we buy a new one. We just get on Amazon and get it coming, right? It'll be here in a few days or so, right? That's what we do with things that break. And our culture has been so much like that with products that now we do this with people. And so when failure happens with people, we have a tendency to throw them away. But what is God's response? That's really the question throughout this series. What is God's response to failure? So we're going to look at different biblical characters as we go through this. I have the joy of Moses. Okay, Moses, you need to know, um, has some issues. I know some of you grew up with flannel board, story of Moses. You know what flannel board is, right? You know who you are, right? (laughs) Flannel board, yes, the church's technology. The story of Moses, and it was a great story. It was an uplifting story of all the things Moses did, but have you read the Bible lately, Right? The story of Moses starts with his family living in Egypt and they're under slavery and there's an edict because the Hebrew nation's gotten so big that the, the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, makes an edict to all of the midwives. Whenever you deliver a boy, kill it. But if you deliver a girl, let it live. Oh, that G-rated Bible's fun, isn't it? So uh, the midwife is like, the midwives are like, are we going to do this? They gather together for a union meeting and they're like, are we going to do this? And they said, no, we're not. They didn't follow Pharaoh's orders, so Pharaoh had to take it a step up. Pharaoh then sent men with swords to fulfill his edict. And so they went from village to village, fulfilling the edict of the Pharaoh. 
killing all the male children. There was a family in one of these villages that had a male child and they hid him as long as they could until the men with swords started coming. And they they took a basket and they covered it with pitch so that it would float in the river and they decided to send the baby down the river because it had better chances with the crocodiles than it did with the men with swords. Read it, it's in the Bible. The little boy's sister followed the basket. The basket got caught in the reeds and Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess was bathing in the river because she wasn't afraid of crocodiles. And she hears some crying and she goes to the reeds and finds the basket there. And in the basket is a little boy. She holds the boy up and says, this must be one of the Hebrew children. I think I'm going to keep it. Now, some of you had kids who came home with a puppy. Can I keep it? With a little, little kitty. Oh, can I keep the little kitty? You know, my favorite is George, the bunny rabbit. Oh, little rabbit. Can I keep the rabbit? But if you're a princess of Pharaoh, you can, you can keep people. <laughs> I found this boy. I'm keeping him. He's mine. And the little boy's older sister comes over and says, hey, um, I know someone who could feed that child for you. Oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you go get her? (laughs) And so the sister went and got Moses' mother to feed him and take care of him. Now the Bible says that she kept him until he got a little bit older. Who knows what the world that means. But at some point, Moses went to the palace to live in the palace. What a weird situation to grow up in. Moses, his family, his blood, his ancestry are the slaves of the Egyptians. And he lives in the palace of the Pharaoh, the adopted son of the princess. What a weird deal that must be. So human nature hasn't changed a whole lot through the years. Do you think Moses was bullied? Uh-huh is right. Uh-huh is right. I don't think Moses had a really good time of it growing up in his adult years in the palace. As we read on in the scripture, the Bible tells us that Moses was out one day walking in the city and he was living this life of, of being in the palace but yet being a part of these slaves and he sees a guard beating up some of the Hebrews. And he gets angry. Now Moses has anger issues. His anger issues are so great that he is violent. Because what does Moses do? He sees this happening. He looks around. Yeah, there's nobody looking. And then he kills the guard. Again, that rated G Bible for us. He kills the guard. That's not on your flannel graph, was it? Uh Uh-uh. He kills the guard and he buries the body in the sand. It'll be on Colombo next week. Some of you are too young to know who Colombo is, but uh, I think Kermit knows who Colombo is. He's old enough. And anyway, so he buries the body. He buries the body, and he thinks he's gotten away with it. 
But the very next day, he's out walking around, and he thinks he's gotten away with it, and he sees two of his, his fellow brothers, his fellow Hebrew nation people, fighting. And he gets in the middle, because that's the kind of guy he is. He's going to get in the middle. He's like, hey, guys, break it up. Break it up. And the two step back, and they're like, whoa, hey, uh, you're that guy. Yeah, you're Moses. Are you going to kill us? And Moses realized that what he thought he could keep secret is now out in the open. Moses failed. Moses is now labeled a murderer. Now he has a choice here, like choices that you guys have. Uh, Some of the, I said that failure, how we respond to failure depends on personality, the baggage and the things, how we grew up. So you could stay, Moses could have stayed and, and toughed it out. See what would happen. What were the consequences going to be? Moses could have paid the guys off and said, hey, um, take some money and don't mention this to anybody, okay? But Moses chose something else, something else that maybe you would have done. Moses ran. Now, some of you are prone to running. And that's part of who you are. That's the choice Moses did. In the middle of Moses' failure, he ran. He goes out to the desert. He meets meets a family, and he he marries one of the daughters, and he starts to go out and spend his time in the fields. A lot of the time in the fields, This is where failure gets interesting. Because that time that he spends out in the field, he ran away from his failure. He ran away from Pharaoh. He ran away from his people. And so he's out in the desert and he's just got goats and sheep who don't care that he's a murderer. So he likes to spend time with them. But Moses is still stuck because what I call the tapes in his head continue to roll. Moses rolls through the scenario again. He watches it happen over and over again. He even imagines a time where it came out differently. But that tape continues to roll through his head. I am a murderer, and there's no getting away from that. He took a life. In our lives, when we deal with failure, those tapes can run rampant. Now, we may not hear the words, I'm a murderer, but we hear the words, I'm a failure. I have done this wrong. I have failed in this area. I am a failure. And those tapes, no matter how often we try to rewrite the script, continue to play over and over until they become soul-crushing. They can be chains that strap around each arm and pull us down to our shoulders, sag, and life seems unbearable. That's what failure can do to us as humans. One day Moses was out wandering around. He had his flock. He was trying to control the tapes. 
and he sees something different on the scenery. He sees a bush, and it's on fire, but oddly enough, it's not being consumed. That's weird. So Moses decides to go check it out. He walks towards the bush, and we're going to pick it up in Exodus. I'm going to complete the story for you. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses said, I am here. Do not think you've read this too many times if you think Moses knew who exactly this was. You have read this too many times if you automatically think that Moses thought this was God. I'm here, he says, but he has no clue who he's answering. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. Uh Uh-oh. Moses can't be thinking that this is good. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look. All of a sudden, he realized that he is standing in the presence of the very one he was running from. And he can only say to himself, I am a murderer. I am a failure. And yet God called his name. And yet God has called him into this place. And yet God has told him to take his shoes off. You're standing on sacred ground. Come in. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring the people the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses, who had spent all that time in the field dealing with those tapes in his head of his failure, he hears his name being called, he steps onto holy ground, and then miraculously God reshapes him, reforms him, takes the shattered pieces of his life and molds it back together into something different, something whole. Now, our culture may believe in this, but not every culture does. There is a Japanese culture called Kintsugi. Kintsugi doesn't believe in garbage bags. Kintsugi believes that when something is broken, when an everyday object that is used over and over again is broken, you put it back together, celebrating the cracks. It is molded together with gold, bronze, silver, platinum, because those cracks make it special and valuable. This is how God sees our failures. He wants us to step back into holy ground, to take our shoes off so that he can remold us. His love and his grace and his peace goes between the cracks, takes the shattered pieces of our lives and remakes it into something new. For his glory, for his love.
Now, if you continue reading Exodus, uh, Moses still doesn't do great. He still fails. Matter of fact, he gets called murderer not just this one time. But this is how God sees our failures and wishes to bring wholeness to our lives. And the best way that we celebrate this is through communion. Because God himself chose to come to earth, chose to die, chose to take the path in order to bring wholeness and healing to our shattered, broken lives, to erase the tapes in our head and to rewrite them with something new, something whole, something full of his love and his grace. Thank you.